puck is dropped, and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Oh, see the blast. Loose puck. Scores! Shankly wires it. Scores! What a stop by Hellebuck. Kyle Connor, Jets go bang, bang, bang. Welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. It's another edition of Ground Control, and of course, now with the team on the road, we've got uh, we've brought back Zoom. We've got Jamie <laughs> Thomas and Paul Edmonds at the team hotel on the road. My personally, uh, we're recording this on an off day for the Winnipeg Jets. I'm in my basement, hiding away as my wife is doing far more important work upstairs. So I figured, you know what, I will go down to the basement. I will be a good uh, partner in this relationship and give her, you know, the access to the the coffee machine, whatever she needs upstairs, she's got. So I figure I'm doing a, a good thing. How are you guys doing? Great. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, uh, I think as we do this, it comes off the heels of that Minnesota game last night. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really want to date the podcast, but it is what it is in real time. And yep. I think that I kind of speak for a lot of maybe Jets fans and people that follow the team, the Jets themselves, that kind of rolling into Minnesota and kind of watching what unfolded is kind of getting old. I mean, they just, there's just not an answer right now for Minnesota and, and the Jets in Thanksgiving weekend or, or the Thanksgiving lead up um, for the team. And it was disappointing. So um, the best thing is you've got more games on the calendar and more games on the schedule, but they've got to find a way uh, to play better in Minnesota. The record right now speaks for itself. They've got two wins in the last 12 games in Minnesota, and it's just not good enough. They know it and they've got to try to fix it. And it's just the one thing. And I think JT can corroborate this for me. There comes a point where maybe if you're not playing well, that there's areas that you want to fix and, and, and certainly detail in your game and get better at, but it's just the goals that go off, you know, somebody's pants or off the back wall and then off a stick or deflection and somebody goes off a skate boot or so, you know, it's just the way that the goals are scored sometimes in Minnesota. I think you just kind of shake your head and go, it's just not going to be the Jets night. And it certainly wasn't to start this road trip. And really just to build off that, uh, we'll, we'll go to JT here. The Jets are seven and two at home. 4-4-1 four, four, and one on the road with uh, the loss in Minnesota being that number four. So uh, the majority of the starts that the team don't like from this season is, have happened on the road. The old, the old saying, of course, win your games at home, split on the road, you'll be fine. But I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there's anything in particular, Jamie, about the road that's standing out to you right now, keeping in mind, of course, the last two road trips, the Jets have been playing three and four. So just curious yeah. what stands out to you. Well, I just think that the constant theme in this, Mitch, is the the starts. Um, I mean, you only give up the one goal in Minnesota uh, last night, but it's just you didn't answer the bell right away. And I, we kind of knew, well, you always know when you come to Excel Energy Center that Minnesota is going to come at you early, and the Jets didn't seem to have a response in any type of way. And Or, you know, on home ice, they have so much confidence. They, you know, they play north. Uh, there's not – those they're not having a tough time moving the puck through the neutral zone. They just seem to have the right idea. Straight lines as my broadcast partner always says, and they get away from that. Um, I don't know if they're trying to be too cute or they're just sitting back and, and taking whatever the home team can offer and not giving much. And maybe they feel they can hold off long enough. They can win the game in the second and third periods, but whatever's going on right now, they just can't keep 
repeating this. And Neil Pionk said that to us last night in the walk-off at Excel Energy Center that, you know, this is getting old and they can't keep playing with fire like this. And um, I just think it's the starts. Um, there's got to be some way where they can be better prepared, not so much better prepared, but have a better beginning to the hockey game and rather playing from behind or trying to answer in the second and third period. That, that response has got to be right immediate off the opening face-off. And the Jets are now, as we've talked about the last few days, they're into a real tough schedule. I mean, early in November, they'd have a game and then a few days off, then another game. Now it's every other day with really the exception of a couple stretches, that being a cup, a two-day stretch at the end of November into December, and then the break that comes in around Christmas. So really until the end of 2022, and then even after that, they're playing every other day. Depth is really being tested at this point, especially with Mason Appleton and Nikolai Ehlers on the shelf for a while here, Paul. Well, that was the question that was posed to Rick Bonus just last week. Is the organizational depth being tested with the injuries that you've incurred? And he was flat out in agreement. He said yes. And here's the thing. I think that the Jets and the Moose and the whole organization needs to be complimented because, frankly, when you've lost some players like Stanley and DeMello and Ehlers and Appleton and Barron, and you can recall Tony Natto and Harkins and also Asimont, that you're doing okay as an organization. You're pretty deep. Like you've got some ability to fill some holes, which the previous administration always talked about this organization, this team will arrive when you're able to pull from your AHL team and plug some holes and not just plug holes, but have guys that are adapted at doing that. Now you might have to move some pieces up from say your bottom forward core to your top and, and have some guys kind of play out of their structure, out of their comfort zone. But that's what guys are looking for is that opportunity. But I always worry about that tipping point of having too many injuries and to the wrong guy and to the wrong team and for too long. And where is that tipping point? And I would tell you that the Jets are just about at that right now. I mean, yeah, Morgan Barron and Dylan DeMello are on the mend and we might see them by the end of this road trip, which is great. It sounds to us like Logan Stanley is starting to skate back home as well and didn't make the trip. But the concern for me is two top nine, two top six forwards are still out. And that's Nikolai Ehlers and Mason Appleton. And how long for Nikolai Ehlers? He had the surgery for that sports hernia in Detroit this week. They don't know a prognosis in terms of how long it's going to be. He could be on a quick recovery. It could be longer than originally diagnosed. It could be two months. It could be three. We don't know. So you wonder what the conversations are. You know that they're talking about the fact that they've got a good team here and a good thing going. But what you don't want is to have injuries derail you when you haven't gone out and maybe found somebody that can plug in outside of your market, outside of your team and your organization to help your team. And there are guys like that that are out there. I'm not suggesting that you need to run out and panic and make a trade. I'm just saying that that's something that you have to. And I know that the Winnipeg Jets have been floating around in their boardroom to make sure that they don't get caught with too many injuries. Because at that point for Winnipeg, they were one, maybe two injuries away from having that tipping point and kind of falling off and not having the replacements that you need to be uber competitive in a very, very competitive central division. But the organizational depth, Mitchell, has been tested and so far so good. But you wonder when you kind of run out of it, when you have maybe one too many injuries to a very important key piece to your lineup.
Yeah. And Brendan Dillon, I think before the game in Minnesota, just literally said that exact thing. Like, you know, you can win a bunch of games or you can go on a run, but the way that the central division is, it just seems that that just helps you keep pace at this point. That's just kind of how it's going. So certainly not easy for the Winnipeg Jets uh, as things go forward. But I mean, that's life in the central. It's life in the National Hockey League. So, you know, they're not going to be using that as an excuse as they prepare to continue the road trip as we record this against the Dallas Stars. Uh, Speaking of the Dallas Stars, as fans will recall, the Winnipeg Jets held their first Filipino Heritage Night on November 8th against those very same Dallas Stars. Big win for the Jets that night. Also a big win, former Jet Tim Stapleton made the trek back to Winnipeg to celebrate his Filipino roots and took the time to chat with Jamie. Here is that conversation. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. Hi, this is Blake Wheeler and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Please welcome Tim Stapleton to the podcast. Uh, clearly you're here. You are Winnipeg Jet. It's funny how the places we move around in our lives, if, you've, if, you, if you're a person that's moved all over the country, all over North America, or all over the world, some places kind of stand out. You were here for a very short time. Why do you think this place stands out in your mind as part oh, of your national? Um, for me, it's, um, def- it's just the hockey, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like the fans, I think, especially coming from Atlanta, um, yeah. where, you know, I don't have another example. I use the same one all the time. But, like, in Atlanta, you can hear, like, a guy sneeze in Section 300. You know, like, it, like, interrupts the game. And and here, you know, my first year was, like, you couldn't go anywhere without someone, you know, um, not whether it's recognizing or it's, everyone knows hockey and they know it really well. Um, and I think that's in Canada in general. It's, like, you can tell when you're at a, a game in Canada because, like, the crowd is so knowledgeable and they kind of evolve and erupt and get louder as, like, plays may develop. Mm-hmm. When, you know, I was, like, back in Chicago, which has a really good fan base, they just, they're, like, Hawks fans. They're not hockey fans. So they're yelling, like, shoot, you know, when the guy's got the puck at, like, at the red line. But but it is. When they miss the net, they're yeah, 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 yeah. No, but, yeah. you know, no, you know, I'm just messing around. But, no, seriously, it's um, it's definitely the hockey part of, of this city and, and just kind of the passion of the fans, for sure. And you're pretty good friends with Blake Wheeler. Um is there like kind of an, and I got you to tell a story one time on our, the last time you were on the podcast about how you got mad when you guys were playing video games and you threw the controller. Do you have another good Blake Wheeler story you can kind of pass our way? Because I, I like going to you these for these because you're a good source. How, who else? I lived it? with them, you know. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, when, you, for, when you guys were here, right? Yeah, he yeah. spilled, he had a brand new Range Rover, like all white seats. And I, for a long time, I didn't tell him this, but I don't know how I got away with it. We drove the Winnipeg together. From <laughs> Atlanta? No, no, from uh, so I flew to Minnesota. Okay. Or, 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 I don't know what happened. We drove to Winnipeg. I think we, we, he was. I think we came in the summer and he was checking out places to live. Okay. And I just went with him, like like the idiot I am that was put on waivers. You know, like like I came, like I was looking at places, but I didn't know I was going to make the team. You're right. I don't know this story. I just, well, it's, think positive is what you're doing. I'm going to make the team. Yeah. I'm going to. I was find like, a place. this could be my best friend, and he makes a lot of money, so I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm just going to go with him to Winnipeg. And you seem like a good guy. No, I was just I don't know what this wasn't even a story, but I ended up spilling, like, a whole cup of coffee on his brand-new Range Rover white seats, but I didn't. he didn't know. Like, okay. this was right, I don't know, we stopped and got a coffee, and I was, like, getting First in. First sip? Yeah, I was yeah. like, I had my coffee. I was getting in the back. Like, I, I, I had to grab something out of the back seat, and as I shut the door, I, the door hit my hand, and I threw coffee all over the back of his seat, brand-new. 
and he gets in the driver's seat. And I'm gonna just like I didn't tell him. And yeah, we're just sitting there. You can't. No, and it's then a new car. I was able. To, he never. He never knew that. I kind of just told him um, after, but. I don't know. That that wasn't really a story, but it's just... It is a good story. Blake and I just kind of, like I said, we just have a connection. And, um, you know, his, I know his wife well, and my wife knows his wife, and we've gone on vacations together, and, mm-hmm. you know, just what friends do. I mean, I could keep going on if the... Are you um, convinced that we are friends? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think if you survived spilling yeah, coffee... he's my favorite player. Yeah. I'm really here f- to watch him play, because I want to see him after and get a stick signed... And he's my Jersey. Rich, he's my richest best friend. So of all my friends, yeah, he's yeah. the richest. Yeah, so he's, yeah. on, he's on top of that list. Yeah. Uh, so right, that's how, right. I mean, that works. I mean, everybody has that friend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't really like him. I like what he does and what he has. And you so, respect who he yeah, is yeah, and yeah, what yeah. he provides. No, it's uh, yeah. All seriousness, he's just been a good friend. Okay, so what about Dustin Bufflin? The big buff. Yeah. How much do you keep in touch with him? And uh, yeah. I do talk to him quite a bit. I think. Do you think he misses hockey? Uh, no. No. No, I think he's, uh, you know, I think for him, you know, I don't know. Like, maybe, I'm sure he does. Like, mm-hmm. we all do. But I think the decision he made um, up to date, at least, it sounds like that was the right decision for him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't talk to him a ton, but, like, he just randomly calls me. Just like, He seems like a random calling kind of person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, you know, I, I just think he's big, you know, he's he's. He came out of Roseau, Minnesota, as you know, and then he he had to be big buff, and yeah. that's not you know who he was, right? Like mm-hmm. that's who he became, and I think you know if you get to know him, he's just a pretty laid back dude. He doesn't really care to be big buff, is what right. I'm saying, and and he's a down to earth and just keeps everything pretty light. I think anyone would say he was a teammate that you know a once in a lifetime kind of teammate type of player all around. Just um, came to. You know, he wanted just to play. Mm-hmm. And so as far as missing it, I'm sure he does. But I know that, you know, I, I, I know he's doing pretty well and, and enjoying, you know, being retired for sure. Is a, is calling Buff a nuclear deterrent, would that be a good way to describe him? Like if you said, like, you would never mess with you anybody. Dumb, you got to dumb this down a little bit. What was that? What did you just say? I'm like, look, I'm Googling like three words you just said. What? So is would Bufflin be the great deterrent to go after anybody on – you're on the Jets. It's like if, you, if we go after Wheeler, we're going to have to deal with that guy right there. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I think everyone knows, um, you know, what Buff's capable of. I mean, the guy's a, he's a not human, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know if I told that story where he, like, threw me across, like, a you hotel. You did not, no. Oh, so we were on uh, – it was in the summer, and we were fishing um, – we were on this, like, fishing trip or whatever. But in the hotel, like, he hid me. Like, I don't, I don't know. Someone someone in our crew, like, convinced him to do this. But he literally, like, I came around the corner, and he picked me up and threw me, like, across, you know, like, over one. I mean, he's just so strong. And he mm-hmm. just threw me. He basically threw me across a hotel room. That's the end of the story. Yeah. And it was uh, just a moment for me where I just realized, like, how strong this guy is. Um he just kind of had this natural strength. I mean, you saw when he played. He wasn't like a gym rat by any means. Yes. He just had strength that, you know, a lot of people just don't have. And and so and I think. He doesn't have to refine either. No. Like just, no, and you don't yeah. want to you don't want to poke the bear in the zoo. You know, mm-hmm. like he's kind of just a laid back. But when you get him going, um, as everyone knows, he's he's a monster. Um, I got to go back to you being thrown across the room. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, is that, like, that's got to be a little bit scary to all of a sudden come around the corner 
and then be picked up and tossed yeah, no, across no, the room. I'm talking. No, yeah. I'm like I can't. I'm not like exaggerating. Like yeah, no. it was like a, like a cartoon where like they like crumble up the guy and hook shot him into a garbage can. Like I was the guy getting hook shot. This is Looney Tunes. Yeah, exa- yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So yeah. no, it was yeah. I mean, I was actually. It was a moment where I was like, man, that's crazy. Like, I, I, you know, he literally just like threw me across, and it wasn't. You know, he was just trying to be funny, mm-hmm. but it was more of just kind of obviously just realizing how strong this guy is and then you get him on skates and I think he was like the only player that you would he would like actually like stiff arm guys like mm-hmm. a running back in the NFL like he would do that on the ice right so you saw his strength and obviously you know why even go near that so it's kind of good to be a, on the same team with him that that one year we've talked about this before but it's just enjoyable to hear is just how loud it was in the building every night and that must have been such a contrast. Oh, the, contrast. G, the GST line, yeah, the which GST. is complete fraud. I was just saying, like... <laughs> have that, you told them how much of a fraud they... That, that, I told... Uh, yeah, I think I talked about it, but, like... I was, you've talked to them. Well, the reason... Here's the, why they're a fraud. Because, yeah. A, like, the, the crowd would chant when they were getting, like, hemmed in the zone by, like, Crosby's line. Yeah. So it'd be like, you know... Yeah. B, I was a fourth-line guy, so when that chant started happening, I knew I was going to get skipped. <laughs> Because they would be, like, too long of a shift, so they just go back to the first line. So, like, as soon as, like, GST chanted, I would just sit down, and I would be, like, the pissed off. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, we joke around, I think. Um, no, I'm obviously kidding about everything. But I no, know you are. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, no, that that was, uh, what was the original question? This is what happens to me. I just lose track. No, but that's the, that's what, but that's organic. Oh, that's I guess. Is like that organic, you, or is that just, like. <laughs> it's losing train of thought. I need, like, a therapist. Focus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Do you need focus? I need, you? <laughs> yeah, focus, whatever. Anyway, we're figuring out my problems right now. That's what this is well, all got, about. I've got the same issue. We all got, yeah. So I get sidetracked just, just as easily as you do, just asking the questions and having this conversation with you. So it, there, there was Jim Slater. I've heard lots of stories about how fiscally responsible he was. Is the word, Like I like to use, I've heard cheap. <laughs> oh, 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 I see I've where we're going with this. Story. Yeah. He's like, still living on Michigan State's <laughs> campus. He's in a dorm and his family's like in another dorm. No, yeah, he, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, at the end of the day, though, when you're done playing like myself, you you realize, like, he was smart. I mean. Mm-hmm. That's why know, you use the term fiscally yeah, responsible. You know, he yeah, was, you know, and, and I know that's, you know, everyone jokes around about that, too. But um, he's kind of an incredible story when you think about, I played against him in college when he was like a Hobie Baker finalist mm-hmm. or, or top 10. And then, you know, to get drafted first round. And then he kind of just took that role of, like, third, fourth line center, good at faceoffs. I mean, that's not easy to do. And he had an amazing career. And he obviously kept all his money, I'm assuming. Yeah. Right? I'm so thinking. I still talk to him. He's funny. He cracks me up. He's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. He had one suit I heard that first year, too, that he wore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Uh, it's like in Russia. They, they had these, like, fart suits. They would wear this, like, these, they would wear, like, the, you know, I think I said that on the chiclets. It's like we'd go on, like, a seven-day trip, and these mm-hmm. guys would come with, like, no luggage. They would just okay. wear the same, you know, hooded sweatshirt. And that was Jim Slater, just more of a. In his suit. He had one suit. I think it was really baggy, too. Like, right. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not here to talk fashion. I don't know what I'm... I don't got to have that fashion. i never so seen that. a mirror I didn't like, but I'm just saying that, you know... No, I'm just kidding. So does he have to see? I heard someone say, all of my jokes are like... So I, 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 I pawn them off. Yeah. You know, like, I don't yeah. I don't write my own jokes. You know, anyways, go ahead. But... <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Um, 
Now, now you've got me uh, sidetracked side here as well. Just uh, what about, okay, how about this? When you travel on the road, did you travel light? Did you travel heavy? How much did you, like, how much baggage did you carry with you? No, I mean, you just can't, you know, uh, you know I mean, whatever, how many days you were there. Mm. Um, now, did, you, did you get it down to a science or were you a mess every time you, like, it was just random No, I, I packed a lot because I didn't know if I was, like, getting sent down. So, like, I would pack, like, everything. <laughs> so they would be like, hey, staves are going for two days. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know if I'm, like, going... To the Chicago Wolves. Could be here, could be here. Um, but, no, uh, you just pack kind of accordingly to the day. I'm just saying, like, in like guys would just come with nothing, like, yeah. a, tooth, like a toothbrush. That's fascinating. You know, and so, and, you know, I mean, Slater, uh, yeah, he had, like, the one, I don't know. Guys, I, you know, if you talk to other guys that, mm-hmm. from that team, I'm sure they would have a, a field day with this topic. Yeah, um, well, Glass and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Glass did, for sure. He, he he's, Glass is, he's a smart guy. Like, yeah. He's articulate, and he can kind of really have a good conversation with him. So I can only imagine him getting on a roll for sure. Last one I have for you. A big part of every NHL team is, of course, their communications department. Scott Brown's been around a long time. Brownie? Yeah. Thoughts on Brownie? Oh, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. the question. Like, like how many quest, how many, how many because players have you asked? Where like this went south? You're just like, hey, Scott Brown. And he's like, wait, there's no question. I'm just supposed to go off on him. No, uh, he was he was great. I mean, he's, it was great to see him. I, yeah. I didn't. I don't think I thought. I don't know. For some reason, I didn't think he was still here. And mm-hmm. then I just saw him. And he's subtle like that. You know, I'm someone that just got along kind of with everybody. So mm-hmm. not that people didn't get along with him. I don't know what the question is. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah. It's, I, you know what I'm asking for? I'm like kind of digging. Yeah, yeah. Do you got a Scott I Brown hated story? Him. I hated him. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? If that's what you want me, I'm real two faced. Like I can, <laughs> you know, if he wa- if he walked by right Brownie. now, I'd be waving to him. I but I'll be like, look awesome. at this rat. <laughs> no. I just think as far as uh, from, a you know, the staff's um, that standpoint, like it, it's first class here. Um, I mean, I just went and saw the, all the trainers and everybody, and it's they're, it's great. It's, mm-hmm. There's a feel in that locker room, at least when I was there, and just everything's just kind of so, so small town feel, which is more my style. So it's just kind of like a family. And from Brownie to, you know, whoever, it was, it was uh, an amazing experience for me. Well, I appreciate uh, you taking the time. I know you've done a lot of these today, and you must be exhausted even though you love to talk. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. weird. I, like, hate to talk, though, but I just go off and... Well, you you hide it well. Well, I, I yeah. don't hate to talk, but it's just, yeah. No, I've done some stuff today, but, you know, all of it's for, for a purpose um, that, that I'm grateful to be a part of, and, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'm trying to get in the lineup tonight, yeah. but... So how, did you talk to I mean, Rick Bonus like by chance? Yeah, or? I was just trying to, yeah, you know, I was just in the gym just now. now. how do you present? <laughs> they were like, hey, go say hi to Wheels. I was like in the gym, like doing squats, but no one paid attention, so. Just um, grabbed a jersey, act, act, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, act yeah. like you've been there? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just like taping a stick. They were just like, who is this? Because security. <laughs> yeah, Mark, can you, uh, yeah, can so, you sharpen this just a little like, like no, this? No, you know? it's, um, once again, I forgot the question, but anyways. <laughs> well, yeah. continued success to you. With yeah. your podcast, and thanks so much for doing this. Thank appreciate you. It. I appreciate it, and I'm uh, looking forward to the night. Winnipeg Jets fans, did you know that online 50-50 tickets presented by PlayNow.com are available for all Winnipeg Jets games? That's right. Whether the Jets play on the road or at home, you can participate in the game day 50-50 draw. The winner will take home half of the jackpot with all proceeds in support of the True North Youth Foundation. Remember to buy your tickets on all Jets game days at WinnipegJets.com slash 50-50. Big thanks to Tim Stapleton for taking the time out and for making the trek to Winnipeg. It was uh, quite a trip for Tim Stapleton uh, to make his way to Winnipeg. So, and uh, a guy that's, 
I mean, hilarious. Jamie was probably the best way to to put it. I mean, he's just got yeah. a personality, doesn't he? Yeah. My, my favorite part though, is the, the nonchalant way he told me that he spilled coffee in Wheeler's brand new vehicle and <laughs> nothing and didn't tell him. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, I mean, I could talk to that guy forever, but, but I love um, the fact that he told the story that being on spitting chiclets got him into Canada because he had forgotten his passport uh, and the people at the passport office just recognize him from the podcast. So just amazing. One day we will be able to cross the border without our passports <laughs> the, because of this podcast. Yes. The, yes, that must be it. <laughs> the uh, Filipino Heritage Night was just obviously one thing on the Jets promo schedule. Uh, one thing to mention that is coming up very quickly, November 29th, the Hockey Fights Cancer Game as the Jets host the Colorado Avalanche. Make sure you get your tickets for that night, of course, to see the warm-up jerseys and the always moving pregame ceremony. Lots more information on that at winnipegjets.com. And also December 6th, going to be a big night at Canada Life Center. Canadian Armed Forces Night. Fans can head to winnipegjets.com for all the information and tickets as well. It's also going to be the return of Paul Maurice as he is there with the Florida Panthers. So lots to come on the home side of the schedule for the Winnipeg Jets. Whether they're at home or on the road, well, goaltending is going to be a storyline for the Winnipeg Jets. We know the start that Connor Hellebuck is off to this season, but I found myself thinking after the the win that the Jets had over Carolina that it's nice to see David Riddick win three in a row now after dropping that first start to Vegas. Just a thought on where the Jets goaltending is at these days, Jamie. Uh, I think it's in a good place right now, Mitch. And before that game against Carolina, the two previous starts for David Riddick, the Jets, you know, you you want support from the guys in front of you. And they had only given up 21 shots uh, in each of those starts that he had. Um, and again, Arizona and certainly in Seattle. So the, the, the defense would play well in front of them. They played well in front of them for 55 minutes against Carolina as well. Then things got a little dicey, but that was, uh, we got, we got you, David. Uh, by when Josh Morrissey scored in overtime. So the the support that they've, this is not only a goaltending, but the way the team is playing in front of both the goaltenders that plays a role in this too. But David Riddick winning three straight is great. You want more, you want a lot of 500 or better from your backup goaltenders, which bonus has consistently been saying. And the best way to do that is make sure he's playing every seven to 10 days. So we'll be seeing a lot of David Riddick as time goes by here with the Jets uh, schedule being as busy as it is. And then, uh, Connor Hellebach. I don't know what else can really be said about him. He's he's been amazing. Um, he's big and boring as we've used on this podcast many times. Let's leave the, you know, the the Minnesota bounces out of that last game that Connor Hellebach started in. He he has been fantastic, and uh, I think anybody that was asked about what went wrong with the Jets last year is there's it started in the net. Not that he was bad, just not the way he's playing right now, and we just got so used to it. Uh, and he's right back to his Vezina Trophy uh, status right now in the National Hockey League. So uh, Jets are in a really good place because of their goaltending, and I don't expect that to change. Goaltenders, of course, have to be your best penalty killers, and the Winnipeg Jets penalty kill has been among the best in the National Hockey League. What stands out to you about the PK so far, uh, Paul? Well, a couple of things. I mean, I can throw some numbers at you, and then I'll kind of get into more of the meat and potatoes and get past the stats. But over the last 13 games, and this again sort of backs up what you're saying and how good it's been, they're 27 for 30. Now, that would be better, but they got touched for two goals on five attempts by Minnesota in that 6-1 loss to start this road trip. So that kind of skews things in the last 13 games a little bit, but it's still operating at 90%. It's very good, and it's a marked improvement over the last couple of years. 
couple of things that stand out for me is the number of players that they have with the ability to kill penalties, the stable size, if you will. And that's not just on the forward courts on the back end. I think you could comfortably throw any of your six defensemen out to kill penalties. Now, some are going to get more penalty kill time than others, just because they're shot blockers. They're a little bit bigger. They can handle the front of the net a little bit you know, more adeptly. Like I think Brendan Dillon for sure. And maybe Dylan Sandberg, but also on the forward core and Rick bonus hasn't been afraid to use some of those guys that are in the bottom six for penalty killers, but also some of his star players as well for the ability to maybe turn some defense into offense and try to score some goals or create opportunities where you have possession of the puck and you have it down maybe in their zone, thereby killing off time on the penalty that you're trying to have expired and not give up a goal. Kyle Connor uh, kind of speaks to that for sure. Mason Appleton was very good at that. Adam Lowry for sure. I've seen Mark Scheifele kill penalties, Blake Wheeler as well. So the list goes on and everybody's kind of got a hand in it. But I really like sort of the passive aggressive nature or aggressive passive nature, whichever way you want to look at it, of the penalty kill. They're trying to get up ice and they're trying to pressure and they're trying to have some pressure points and stack it up. And when that drop comes in the neutral ice, they're trying to maybe have some confusion with the attacking team coming up the ice. And if that camp, that happens to get through, then they're standing up with the blue line. And then if that gets through, then they're usually pretty good at trying to create a bobble or a loose puck that's 50-50 inside their own zone. So overall, my point is this, that they've been more aggressive at trying to pressure the puck carrier and create a turnover from that and send it down the ice. There's been lots of times, I tell you, the only criticism I would have sometimes on the penalty kill is they've created that bobble. They've created that 50-50 puck. They've got possession of it, but for whatever reason, have tried to backhand it out of their own zone and it hasn't gone out, so it stayed in. But the penalty kill has been very good. And I always go back to the previous administration and the question was asked, would you rather have a great power play or a great penalty kill? Ideally, you want both. But if you can only have one, you want a very good penalty kill. And that's been one of the reasons I think the Winnipeg Jets have had the record and fighting for first place in the Central to this point is because of the penalty kill. Showdown with one of the with the top team as we record this in the Central Division. The Dallas Stars coming up as the next stop on the road trip before the Jets finish the three-game trek against the Chicago Blackhawks and come home to take on the Colorado Avalanche. So a lot of divisional games coming up for the Winnipeg Jets. Gentlemen, it's a day off for the team as we record this. Make sure you get some rest and relaxation because, I mean, it's that's a long trek from Minnesota to Dallas uh, overnight. You know, that's you guys need some rest today. <laughs> Indeed. Not only that, but it's every second day, as you mentioned, until yes. Christmas. Yes. Which, you know what, on a commentary, I'm okay with. Like, let's get into a bit of a routine here mm -hmm. and let's go. And the and the games start to tick off and we're kind of moving and there's excitement and it's always building. And I'm really kind of, you know, every day that I go to the rink, I'm excited about what this team can, can certainly do. Um, I think that's why when we started this podcast, there was a little bit of melancholy and disappointment uh, coming out <laughs> of the Minnesota game. Not that they lost. It's just how it happened again, because we've seen it before. But overall, let's get into a bit of a, a pretty heavy schedule here because it's fun to be involved in that. And it's great for the routine. And let's see what happens when we break for the holidays. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thanks to Paul. Thanks to Jamie and to, to, to Tim Stapleton. Easy for me to say to close out this edition of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll see you soon.
This has been Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. For more Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.